Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, animales, animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, Welcome to Freedom of Species for 2016. It's like our official launch for the year. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio show dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals, uh, ranging from advocacy to conservation and, importantly, appreciation. We are broadcast live from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, and streamed live via the 3CR website as well. Podcasts are available via the 3CR websites and the Freedom of Species website. All podcasts are on iTunes. So thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Emma Townsend. And I'm Kate Gracie. And joining us today in the studio, our first guest for the year, is Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party. Good afternoon and thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And Andy, I understand you're the AJP candidate for Karangamite. Yes, Is that that's right. right yeah. what, what area does that cover? It covers loosely an area, uh, if you're looking general terms, Geelong um, right down to the Western District of Victoria, down to areas like Apollo Bay and that sort of thing, and then takes in some country towns as well, further up north towards Ballarat, but not including. It's a big year, election year. Certainly is. Yeah. A lot of work to be done. Yeah, exciting. Today... Andy is here to discuss with us about the Geelong Star Super Patroller, which I don't know a lot about, so it's pretty much 101 for me. What I have found about is super scary, basically. Um, so we'll get straight into it just after this. Hey, y'all, this is Natalie from Blue King Brown, and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. We are talking with Andy today about the Geelong Star Super Trawler. We're going to start off with some basic questions, Andy. What is a Super Trawler? A Super Trawler is a, a very large factory vessel. Um, it, generally they'll be uh, equipped with extremely large nets and they have the capacity for freezing and storing on vessel thousands upon thousands of tonnes of their take, their, their particular species that they're after. 
they, they trawl typically, um, they have three different classifications. They'll trawl in shallow water, mid water and deep water. And that will depend on the type of net that they use and the type of catch that they're after. Um, typically, they will use um, either a purse seine net, which is a, a scooping device that closes off and then comes up from board, or a drag net. But they, the, the, the nets themselves, like, and if you look at the instance of the Geelong Star to give some people some perception of size, the Geelong Star is 95 metres in length. So you look at placing a vessel on the MCG and seeing how far that goes. And, and that's just the vessel, not that, the actual net? That's just the vessel. The net themselves is the size of 13 jumbo jets, or at least half the size of the MCG. So that's in a single drag. You're looking at all those species coming into that net. Okay. Of everything of everything that's in that water body? That's right. Yep. Yeah, the, the Geelong Star specifically targets what they call the small pelagic fish, which is typically what we would term into bait fish or, or stuff of fish meal for, for pet food, such as um, slimy mackerel, perhaps um, uh, blue mackerel, res and stuff like that. All the smaller fish that we wouldn't normally consume. And this is one of the furfies that's been surrounding the Geelong Star, is that we've been told or we've been sold a lie that... These fish are not for the Australian market. They're to be actually um, sent to overseas markets for human consumption where they're less fussy than, than perhaps Australian consumers. But we've seen evidence that these uh, fish are ending up as um, frozen and in bait boxes ready to go off all around different places. So can I just backtrack a bit because I'm kind of still, my jaw is on the ground at how big these things are. I mean, what the mouth, uh, the net is that big. Like I've heard, like six hundred meters, mm-hmm. and the mouth of the net is two hundred meters. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that they have target species that they're trying to catch, right? Which are the Absolutely. smaller fish, the small pelagic fish in this instance, yes. But everything goes in that net. Well, it's impossible for it to miss, and as a result, what we've seen is um, there's been. Uh, reported that they have self-reported six dolphin deaths which initially resulted in the banning of night fishing of the Geelong Star. Now that in itself is a bit of a thing I mean you know I didn't know that dolphins you know know, went to bed during the day and had to sleep. (laughs) Um, This is an absurdity but this is what they did and they only banned it while they introduced some sorts of mitigation methods on the nets themselves that supposedly kept dolphins out. Which are what? What are those mitigation methods? Well that's unclear. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just, hang on, hang on. Can we just, can we just backtrack again? I'm just, you know, bombs are going off in my head as we speak. Wh- when you speak is... to them, it's various. They, they, they quote things like various protection devices and exclusion devices, without actually producing any photos to tell you what they are. And uh, what about? Can, can they produce any words to describe what they are? Uh, it's it's very difficult to get anything out of Seafish Tasmania or from the Environment Minister or anybody involved in the process. But surely they've got to justify these mitigation methods to the Australian Fisheries Management Authority. Well, this is another thing. Australian Fisheries Management Authority is up to their neck in all of this as well. And if I can just quote something that the Australian Fisheries Management Authority actually approved the licence for the Geelong Star despite the fact that their own resource advisories group, which was headed at the time by Dr Kirsten Davies, told them that the licence should not be approved. On, um, and I can count here on one, two, three, four, five, six individual grounds. Right. So this Geelong Star Super Trawler is here. It has been fishing in our ocean, okay, and it, all the advice said otherwise it should not be allowed in our oceans. I did read, Andy, that this specific ship has had six names before. It's That's had a right. past life. It's a Dutch vessel. It's a Dutch vessel, right, and it's been kicked out of all these other oceans around the world. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 Why is it here? Can you just go over those 
that how do, how does it get a license to even be here with that history and our current federal government has a desire to exploit the fisheries of Australia for commercial gain as a result they're willing to let anybody come in because they believe that they can properly manage the fishery right, but the problem is at the moment if you look at the current situation that we're in at the moment with the Geelong star at this time of year, all of these small pelagics are actually in what they call aggregating mode, which is they're coming together close to the surface, getting ready for spawning, for breeding. Now, this is what the Geelong star has been waiting for. It is out there, or it's actually on a ban at the moment because it's actually just killed a whole heap of um, protected albatross because it's, it's trawling the surface, you see, or, or close to. Because when these fish aggregate ready for spawning, it, it is a sign for lots of other animals other marine animals or marine based animals such as birds they feed this is their big time of year when they come down and feed and and and, and then go away quite happy and do their own breeding cycle this is all part of a great big cycle and and the problem with that is that you now have the star coming along and scooping up all these fish before they get the chance to breed so you're going to have drastically how how did the albatross get involved do they get caught in the net they get caught in the net right yeah yeah and killed so there's been a temporary ban and i with this whole vessel, to me, a ban is a ban. It's it's gone, right? So I I use a it's, it's a, a temporary stay of execution, if you like, is, yeah. is what I tend to use. Um, so they're at the stage here where they they're trawling along, and this is how they're going to get their main take. All right, and we are talking in thousands upon thousands of tons of fish, and in the meantime as well, there's other things, other animals are being caught that we're just not hearing about. Um, I heard reports, um, and, and these obviously can't be backed up because no one on board will, will talk to you. You're not allowed to speak to people. Um, people are in fear of losing their jobs, etc. That they've been seen outside the heads, disposing of, like you know, mako sharks, for instance, um, just tossing them overboard. They're dead. They get caught in the nets. All these sorts of other animals, turtles, dolphins, you name it. There's there's no escape for any of these animals and and how could there be on something of this size is there an industry what's the word one of those industry monitors that go on board with on each fishing trip or is it just purely on everybody on board is an employee there's one monitor on board for every trip for every trip and there's only one but that person can't be there 24 hours a day as in awake 24 hours a day and observing everything that goes on and who are they employed by? Who pays them? They're an AFMA representative. Okay. Are they on all um, commercial fishing vessels? Are they, I mean... No. Who no. Puts, who it's puts... my understanding that they're not. But they're on, particularly, they're on vessels where there is a particular um, concern okay. that there's going to be a lot of bycatch yep. or problems associated. Yeah. So that uh, is it the monitor who reported the dolphin deaths and the albatross deaths? Yes. Right. So that's what they observed in the time that they were awake on deck. Yes. Right. 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. You are tuned into 3CR 855 AM, the Freedom of Species show, and we are chatting with Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party about the Geelong Star Super Patroller. I understand each ship has a logbook that they fill out on their catch and if they're if it's not their target catch, and all these other species get hauled up in the net, they literally die and they're just thrown overboard. But they're not put in a logbook. No, they're not. It's only if that bycatch, as they call it, there. is yeah. not recorded, because there's no need. Because they have a license to take the tonnage of their their particular fish. And in this instance, it's uh, per year, per year it's around sixteen and a half thousand ton. Sixteen and a half thousand ton for mm. one ship. Mm. 
So even compared to other, like I know there's a lot of fishermen outraged and they don't want super trawlers around in their oceans fishing because I heard that, you know, in one afternoon this super trawler can catch their quota of fish that they have, that they've been given for the whole year. That's exactly right. So super trawlers are monsters. They are exactly that, exactly. And we're only seeing what is termed, see the definition was changed as well because super trawlers used to be um, by this definition of of what they were capable of, uh, the size of the nets, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a move and a successful move by Senator Richard Colbeck um, to actually change that definition to only include vessels over 130 metres in length. There are, uh, to my best of my knowledge, I've had a few different people say to me um, from different fishing organisations, there are about six of those in the world, and I've had some people say there's only three. So, But whatever, there's less than 10 fishing vessels that are 130 metres long or more in the world. So anything under that, by the terms of the Australian government, now qualifies as not being a super trawler, despite the fact of the, the size of the take that they're actually getting. There's seven of these vessels operating off the coast of Ireland at the moment and there's absolute outrage over there because they are literally going to turn that area into a marine dead zone. Hmm. They vacuum. They vacuum. Everything. Everything goes. Yeah. So what I don't understand, if I can move on, is that why is this ship here when, was it a couple of years ago there was a ship called the MG Margavi? Yeah, the Magiris. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, the Magiris, um was a debacle. The AFMA, again, once approved uh, for it to fish off uh, a, a large sort of area. Um, when, when, when we talk about these, what we call, as I say, these are mid-water trawlers, what we call mid-water, and, and they designate zones that they are allowed to fish in um, because these zones are, are deemed to be where your standard commercial fishers won't go out that far like that. So there's 700 metres outside the 700-metre depth zone. What we've discovered just recently in the last few days is that that's actually not true and that their licence allows them to, to fish inside that zone. Right? In, so where com- smaller commercial ventures make their living from, where recreational fishers get their stuff from and where they hold important competitions for, for their processes. So you're talking about decimation of their populations, what they rely on for an income, what these people rely on for their pastime and that sort of thing. That's all going by the by. So, again, so the Magiris was awarded a licence to do exactly the same thing that the Geelong Star is doing. And it was actually banned in 2013, March 2013, on environmental grounds. And I do have a copy of that here, if you can just allow me to paper shuffle. Yeah, sure, because it would be interesting to know in relation to the Geelong Star Super Trawler. Well, I can quote you the Act as well. In March 2013, the Federal Government banned the Super Trawler Magiris from fishing in Australian waters, and it was banned for use in the SPF, the Small Pelagic Fishery, under amendments to the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Act 1999, specifically citing concerns surrounding its overall environmental impact. Now, that's, that's a direct quote from the decision, and that is an incredibly powerful statement because it sets down in writing for future applications to have a look at and say, this type of vessel has been banned from Australian waters before because of this particular reason. There is no reason to believe that any subsequent vessels are going to be free of that encumbrance. So why is the Geelong Star Super Trawler here? I don't know why. It's all about money. It's all about money. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have a company called Seafish Tasmania, which is, is part-owned. Um, it's a New Zealand company, but it has another partner. I'm unsure where that partner comes from. It might be Australian, it might not be. It might be complete overseas interest. But you also have, and this is where conflict of interest comes into it as well, 
The uh, original decision I was telling you about, about the, the Resource Advisory Group headed by at the time Dr Kirsten Davies that recommended it shouldn't go ahead, they had a lot of problems in that they have on them uh, a chap by the name of Jerry Gein, who is the CEO of Seafish Tasmania. Now, it is a conflict of interest that a gentleman who is a CEO of a company that has the licence to operate is also on the Resource Advisory Group, but then is also on the AFMA. So Dr Kirsten Davies, she resigned, specifically citing that that was the reason for her resignation. Wow. Uh, and I have that here. Her reasons for resigning were extreme concern over the massive conflict of interest that surrounds the fact that Seafish Tasmania Director Jerry Green, holder of the licence for the trawler to operate, is also on the RAG committee and has brought out other members' quotas. Wow. Dr Davies rightly complains that this has also led to Mr Gein having an unacceptable influence on the decisions of both the RAG and the broader operations of the AFMA. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, wow. It is it's astounding. So yeah. It's just astounding. And look, and it brings into play uh, another question, and, and this is a broader environmental question, I suppose, of political donations or donations from companies being accepted by political candidates and by political office. Because um, the office of Senator Richard Colbeck, who was the parliamentary secretary to Barnaby Joyce, uh, the agriculture minister, accepted in two different amounts. I think the first one was $270,000 and the other one was $80,000 or something similar, $70,000, from a, a group, an industry group uh, represented by Seafish Tasmania prior to and after the 2013 federal election. Now, you can draw what conclusions from that you may because industry groups do make donations to political parties. And, and in Australia, we say, oh, well, look, but, you know, that's fine. That's just a way that political parties make their money for campaigning and that sort of thing. But it brings into play an entire problem that we see that happens in the United States, where industry bodies become so powerful with so much money that they put up senators who gain office wholly and solely to represent the interests of the industries that they formerly represented. This door has become open in Australian politics because of this acceptance of this situation. Industries and businesses should be completely banned from political donation so that there is never going to be a question of conflict of interest. We might have a bit of a, give Andy a bit of a break as well now. I'm going to play a tune from, it, it's called Song of the Sea Lullaby from a, a beautiful Irish animation that came out last year. That was a lullaby from the Sing of the Sea animation on 3CR 855am, Freedom of Species. And we are chatting today about the Geelong Star Super Trawler with Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party. And we're finding out that there is nothing super about the Super Trawler. It is, I mean, come on, I know people that say any fishing is overfishing in this day and age. And this Super Trawler is vacuum cleaning Absolutely. our open our ocean. I remember seeing this wonderful little animation last year. Maybe it was on Cowspiracy, correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing about fishing is we don't understand and is that if you put the equivalent net 
through the through our through our beautiful you know forests or ecosystems it takes everything the you know it'll take if you put it in africa it'll take the elephants and the <laughs> giraffes and um i've seen that animation too and just yep. imagine yep. if you had a similar scenario on earth it would be an absolute on, on land sorry yep. we are on earth although well, I'm the, not the, there seems to be a real swing in the way that um some uh, politicians, some governments uh, are thinking in that respect. And you only have to look at, I suppose, at the moment, the, the Andrews Labor government here in Victoria, in that they are introducing this ban on commercial fishing in the bay. So those licences are, are gradually expiring. So they're looking at, you know, there's a complete, will be a complete and total commercial net ban in the bay. Well, I think it's by the end of 2018, I think the last licence expires. I could be wrong on that. So but, that must be really exacerbating the fury mm. of... Absolutely. The fisher folk. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If there's, look, if there's one issue that's uniting a lot of different um, fishing people, like recreational fishers and yeah. commercial fishers combined, it, it is this, because they see that this vessel, and if we allow this vessel to continue, of course, this just is the thin end of the wedge. It opens the door for more of them to come, because the government can then argue, um, through Barnaby Joyce, of course, that, look, you know, it, it came, you know, we don't believe it did any damage now, that's... The, the fisheries are all manageable and, and, and plentiful, so we're going to let some more in. And the government and the people are a winner because it's creating an income. And this just is not the case whatsoever. I mean, if you look at the current situation I was talking about before with the aggregations going on, it, it has it, it's about to decimate all these future fish populations. Um, and the only reason they're doing it is because they, haven't, they have to admit they haven't been able to take the required numbers that allow them to be commercially viable in the terms of their licence. In other words, the numbers that they used to justify the issuing of the licence were either grossly incorrect to begin with, showing incompetence by the resource advisory group, or that they were deliberately fudged to assure a guaranteed outcome of gaining the licence. Now, either way, at the moment we're talking about the loss of spawning females, and they're the losses of millions of eggs needed to sustain those individual fish populations across the individual species. But we're also talking about the potential crash of an entire section of the marine ecosystem. These fish that are the food source of even more species. So the knock-on effect is potentially catastrophic. I mean, in addition, if that wasn't alarming enough, right in the path of the Geelong Star at the moment are the only two known pods of Burrun and dolphins in the world that amount to a total of 150 mammals. Now, these, with marine scientists believing that their number is approximately 150, they're almost extinct. Now, there's a reason enough to stop the trawler's operations just on that alone. Right, because we know that some of these dolphins are inside Port Phillip Bay and we know that others are outside. They've been spotted outside and in these grounds. Okay, so they've all, they may have already been killed. We wouldn't know because they're, they're allowed to also turn off their transponder beacon, so preventing their location from being readily known so a while trans, they're fishing. a transponder what, beacon, what's that? That just tracks their location, Absolutely, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes. Right. So why would they be allowed to turn that off? What would be the point of having one if you're allowed to turn it off? They're allowed to turn it off because the authorities, and, uh, and they have argued this unsuccessfully, is that if they have it on, then other people, other fishing people, will know where they are and harass them and, and take part. I guess the fear is in a, uh, a Sea Shepherd type arrangement you know, where, you know... Brilliant. People, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. you won't get any argument from me on that one. I'd like to see that. Um, and look... Speaking of which, has Sea Shepherd become involved in this? Is there anyone out there actually out there harassing them? Um, there is an organisation uh, called VMAD, which is Victorian Marine Animal Defenders, um, that has been set up by um, a couple of people who are from Sea Shepherd, and I'm not sure they're with them now because I think VMAD is taking up all of their available time. 
And they have been instrumental here in Victoria in, in bringing to the public's attention and, and raising public opposition to the Geelong Star, not just to the Geelong Star, but all factory super trawlers, in that they held four uh, public rallies, the largest of which was in Geelong in April of last year. And that was huge. There was about 600 people down there. But they also liaise with, and uh, as a result of, um, there are other different groups that have sprung up in different places around the country. There's the Stop the Trawler Alliance. There's the Stop the Super Trawler. Um, large public rallies have been held in Tasmania and in South Australia and in New South Wales as well. It's not confined to just what we see here in Victoria. This, the, the, the fishing zones that the Geelong Star is allowed to go in take in a large chunk of the south coast of New South Wales all the way around, including the entire coastline of Victoria and the northern and northeastern coasts of Tasmania, and right through into the protected tuna grounds in South Australia. This is an enormous area that this vessel is allowed to go. Mm. And, and consequently, as I said before, the knock-on effect that they take these fish is going to be catastrophic. We, we, we are potentially talking about an ecosystem collapse. Yeah. Well, okay, so that the Geelong Star Super Trawler, which I still can't get over the name because it is not in any way really associated with Geelong, is it, as far as it's no. moored there. Yeah. But the the sneakiness of that language when they renamed this ship is that, you know, in saying Geelong Star, it's like, oh, Geelong issue. It's a, mm. It belongs, it's somehow, mm. you know, really good It's part of Geelong, our community. Part yeah. of our community. Yeah. Now, this ship, I understand... Um, was called six other different names. It's a Dutch-owned ship. Its latest incarnation before the Geelong Star was the Dirk Dirk. The Dirk Dirk. Mm. Okay, in Denmark Operating, waters. yeah. So yeah. it's like a PR spin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's all it is. It, a, it, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll win them over, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... This, Highly cynical. This is like a massive issue, though. It's not just a, a local Geelong issue, is it? It's No, this is it's a federal issue. This yeah. is a federal yeah. issue because, as I said before, this is the thin end of the wedge. They will bring in more of these vessels. And they will decimate everywhere. I mean, if you think it's bad right now, wait till you have seven of these vessels operating in different zones all around the country. You know, and, and then if you look at, say, for instance, um, where we have borders with our northern neighbours, for instance, and you start talking the tropical and subtropical waters around northern Queensland into the Gulf Carpentaria, area, etc., where you have small um, indigenous communities living there, and this is how they make their not just make their living, but it's how they live. You know, these, some of these populations they go out still and, and fish in an old tribal traditional way, and they live that way. What's going to happen to them when they can't go out and fish anymore? That's going to be terrible. The results are going to be terrible. There is no such thing as sustainable fishing. Mm. This is this is a furphy. It, it, it's a lie, and it's been perpetrated on the community for years, and we've accepted it. You are tuned into three CR eight double five AM, the Freedom of Species Show, and we are chatting with Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party about the Geelong Star Super Trawler. So, Andy, can you tell us about politically what you know is going on with the like other political parties about this issue? Sure, sure. Um, well, look, we do have a sitting member in Karangamite who I'll be standing against. Her name is Sarah Henderson. Sarah has had an online petition going on to ban the Geelong Star, has been quite vocal on uh, local radio, um, in the papers, etc., saying, yes, I want a ban on the Geelong Star and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the other. But unfortunately, what she actually does in Parliament misrepresents that 
she's not actually doing anything or getting anything accomplished. She's actually voted for, if you have a look at Sarah's voting record, and I had a look at um, one that she voted on the 16th of June 2014, which was the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Amendment Bill. And in that particular act, she voted for a particular amendment which was to summarise MPs in favour of marine conservation and for increasing protection of Australia's freshwater reserves would have voted no to when she voted yes. So she has voted against protection of marine conservation. That flies against it, okay? Mm. It, it actually flies against it. Um, Can, I've got Sunday brains on. Can you just explain that a little bit further? Sorry. All right. Well, to basically, to, to, to cover it, marine parks were established to, to help with uh, recovering populations and, and to protect certain species. Like, okay. you, you know, and, and they extend out a fair way. All right. The the federal government has a, a policy of allowing commercial fishing in marine reserves. They want it to go ahead, and they want to actually reduce because um, they were highly critical when they were in opposition of the then Labor government of establishing these marine reserves and the size of them. So they have an agenda to reduce them okay. and to allow commercial fishing in them. So that was the amendment to the bill, basically allowing that to happen even further. So what I object to then about Sarah Henderson is that she's making all these statements and she actually spent a lot of money on full-colour ads in local papers touting Sorry herself to, to be... Sorry to interrupt, Justin. Right. There's this noise in the background. I have my dogs in the studio <laughs> and one of them is having a dream and so there's this kind of noise, so I apologise for that. Maybe she's awake, <laughs> she's awake now. Sorry for that interruption. Oh, Andy. that's all right. Yeah. Probably running through the paddocks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, she, I think she was. Her, her paws were moving and everything. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but... but Look, what, what she's actually done is she's, she's given herself a label and she's called herself the warrior for the environment. <laughs> now... PR spinners are yeah, running the world, aren't they? Fabulous greenwash. Ex- well, exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's a greenwash. And it's extraordinary and it's a highly arrogant thing to do because as soon as you put a label like that on yourself, you're automatically classing yourself in the same realms as people like Paul Watson of Sea Shepherd, Jane Goodall. Bob Brown. Bob Brown, David Suzuki. Yeah. You name it. You, you, the list is, is, is quite extensive. But all these people, and, and whether you um, agree with certain things that any of these people do or not, they have all made significant contributions yeah. to animal and wildlife mm. protection right throughout yeah. the world. I mean, Sir David Attenborough, for instance. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's all, they're all in that same group. They're, they're held up on a pantheon. You don't get the right to say, <laughs> look at me, I'm as good as them. And that's in effect what she's done. That's for other people to judge and that will be judged at some later point. So, But she's working on the agenda to actually reduce the marine park. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. To what ends? Because Sarah might have, look, and, and I haven't had a private conversation with her. I'd love to because I might actually find out that actually deep down she is in favour of what we're trying to push here, what we're trying to get done. But if you are, um, you have the guts to vote against your party. Sarah has voted with her party every single time. On every single animal and conservation issue, she has voted with her party. She won't stand against them. So my point is... She's a yes man. Yeah, but but don't label yourself a warrior for the environment if you're not going to have the courage of your convictions and vote against the party line. And why would she not have the courage of her convictions in this particular case? Because she enjoys the support of the party. She enjoys the incredible financial backing that that brings and it therefore brings a whole load of resources come re-election time. Okay. As I can gather, 
the Animal Justice Party, you're not against like indigenous fishing in any, you know, putting on the bigger picture here of sustainable fishing in that sense, like if our indigenous communities have been fishing for many thousands of years. Look, it could What's be your stance on that. Well, I haven't looked at the specific mm. policy, so I, I can't speak to that. Um, my own personal opinion is is that perhaps it could be argued that the the, the minority uh, indigenous populations fishing in that way, um, in, in legal terms, they have um, what you would call existing use rights. All right, so they could continue to do so, and many scientists would argue that um, that they should be allowed to continue. This is the way they've always done it. They're not having any effect on the actual fish uh, populations, etc. My personal stance as a vegan would be I would like them not to, all right, because I believe that uh, you know, every animal, every being has a right to its own life and to live out that life because that life has intrinsic value to itself. But, you know, the, um, there's been some sort of exposés, I suppose, on some of the traditional hunting practices in terms of its animal welfare. I think um, around Queensland there were some exposés about the dugong or turtle Mm. Yes. hunting mm. and those indigenous practices were fairly horrific they're very brutal they're there's very no doubt about it yeah mm. and I, I i can't pretend that i i i think that's okay because i don't and that's that's my stance on it the party yeah. one i'm unsure i have to yeah. have a look at I'm, I, and all our policies are currently yeah. under review anyway before the election so there may be something that comes up in there. But yeah, personally, I'm not in favour of yeah. it, no. I only bring it up because it is interesting. I know it's a completely different issue, but then it's kind of like... You know, well, it's kind of linked. It's yeah. kind of linked and it, it, in, in a way it pivots against the super trawler because the super trawler is taking away all the fish in the ocean as in parts of Africa, I noticed, alongside um, the oceans there are completely depleted and there's been much... Um, well, it creates marine dead zones. That. It, marine it, it really zones, does. It yeah. creates marine dead zones. And, and in this instance then, our Indigenous community should also be up in arms. Absolutely. Because eventually, when this flows down the line, then what they are living on and these practices that they're doing, they won't be able to do them anymore because those animals won't exist anymore either. Yeah, and they kill the turtles. The super trawlers are killing they kill the turtles. so many endangered species. Yeah. Um, and, and look, if I can swing it back to a, sure. a, a political side, um, look, the Senate had an opportunity last year to actually put a stamp on this. They could have brought forward a vote through a private member's bill to ban the Geelong Star. They squibbed on that and they settled for a bill being put forward by the two um, the Tasmanian senators, Labor senators, um, to just ban it from nighttime activities. And what happened was, and it was a late afternoon debate and the vote then went on, uh, whether to vote uh, to halt the Geelong Star's nighttime activities. And firstly, the Senate and the bill put forward have completely ignored the overwhelming demands for recreational fishing groups, smaller commercial operators, and more importantly, the demand of the public that the vessel be completely banned from Australian waters. They debated and then voted upon only one aspect of the factory trawler's operations, and that's to deliberately thumb their noses at the wishes of the majority of Australians and to treat their concerns over this vessel with contempt. And there should have been one question and one question only, and that should the Geelong Star and, in effect, all factory trawlers be banned permanently from Australian waters. What is also of concern about that is that 14 senators were missing from the chamber at the time of the vote. That fact in itself is appalling. The fact that 14 senators, elected representatives of the people, didn't consider the greatest threat 
to not only the small pelagic fishery but to the continued health of our entire marine ecosystem important enough, that's absolutely appalling. The Senate's shown its hand in that it actually wants no part in leadership on this issue. And so now the ball, again, it falls fairly and squarely back in Sarah Henderson's court. She needs to drag her coalition colleagues kicking and screaming to the only desired outcome, and that's a complete ban on all factory trawlers. And she needs to introduce a private member's bill into the House of Representatives. So the talk about a f- the factory trawler, I mean, that's obviously that's a reference to the, the size and the scale of the, sh- of the ship. Mm. But do similar... Um, fishing practices occur on on Australian smaller vessels. Like, c- should we be having the same concerns about the Australian commercial fishing industry that just happens on a, a smaller scale? Oh, definitely, definitely. We, we, look, commercial fishing is not a, a, a viable practice um, overall. And when you look at the types of fishing, it, it's the type of net used. It's the, the, the size of what they can drag in, and a smaller commercial operation does exactly the same thing but on a smaller scale. Right. Right. Um, so does that mean they're kind of escaping attention by this? If they, oh, if they so. just avert all the attention onto the Geelong Star, all these Australian commercial fishing operations are like wiping their brow going, phew. With the attention's off us for the moment. Oh, very much so, to a large extent, exactly, yes. And there have been Facebook posts by different commercial operators sort of saying, we've got to get this banned, you know, because, look, it's, it's decimating our livelihood. This is Australian jobs and Australian economy we're talking about here. And, and certainly they are using it as a deflection. Yeah, so they, they're going... But they would argue... It's our right to decimate the oceans, absolutely. Not, not someone else's right absolutely. to decimate the oceans. absolutely. You've yeah. got that 100% correct. And, right. and overall, like globally, I forget the statistic, but what is it? We've depleted an amazing percent of our oceans as we speak. Isn't it 70-odd percent or something? It's absolutely. The, it's the majority yeah. of oh, the it's ocean. It's terrible. It, yeah, it, it's an enormous figure. Yeah. It is an absolutely enormous figure. It, fishing practices, as they have been and as they are now, require, at this point in time, a massive, massive paradigm shift. We cannot continue the way that we are going, exporting the ocean and its resources the way that we've been doing it. We can't do it on a large commercial scale. We can't do it on a small commercial scale. It is just simply not viable anymore. With a growing world population looking and desperate for food, we can't continue to look at the oceans, the the world's oceans, as this never-ending supply because it's just not the case. It's a finite resource. And we have dwindled that resource dramatically. And a lot of it get a lot of don't most fish in the world get fed to factory farmed pigs as well. That's what I heard. I don't know whether that's completely accurate, but an enormous amount of fish that gets caught mm. goes to feed animals in factory farms. Absolutely, and yeah. or for pet food. Oh, like, if, if yeah. I can, if you, if I can be so bold as Please. to, to uh, if I remember this quote correctly from Philip Wallen, and in one of his speeches, he makes the point that. Um, uh, land-based cows are now the largest consumers of seafood in the world. He call, I didn't call them ocean predators. Or ocean something. predators, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Like that. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> Goodness me. All yeah. right, we'll be back after this. Hey, y'all, this is Natalie from Blue King Brown and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. You 
are listening to 3CR 855 AM Freedom of Species and joining us today is Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party and we've been talking about the Geelong Star Super Trawler um, hearing that there's nothing super about it at all and we are not going to take the bait of their PR spin. May I just say that? <laughs> it is a disgrace, this issue. Really, everyone read up on it because it's just disgraceful that ship is in our ocean but you know can i just say i did read a little facebook thing that said i call it a thing because i'm just you know i know all the jargon um (laughs) uh, that said the super troll has got a lot how we're fish farming has a lot to do with the fact that all the sharks are closer in on the on the beach i don't know whether there's any scientific validity to that statement but you know how there's been a lot more sharks coming in yes it makes sense to me that doesn't a layman that doesn't know anything i go oh yeah we're taking all the fish out a marine scientist could probably confirm that or deny it a marine biologist or scientist um but to a lay person like ourselves that would certainly make sense because if you if you if you're a particular species and your food source is generally in particular area and so your entire life is geared around following this food source so that Mm. you know this is where you go then um it would make sense that if that food source is not where you would normally find it, that you would begin to search for it elsewhere. So it's a, look, it seems a, a, a common sense thing to think about. But, yeah, you'd have to confirm that with some sort of marine scientist to say, yeah, that, that's a thing or, yeah. no, that's just, you know. Please, if you're yeah, a marine scientist. An old lifestyle type thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to know if that, if that one's accurate. I think it would be. I've, I read a, an, um, another tidbit just Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, in a national paper just a couple of days ago, and it said that the developing world's ocean catch is is underestimated by fifty percent, and that's the developed world's and the developing world's ocean catch is underestimated by two hundred percent. Wow, so, that's an extraordinary so the, figure. So the data we're getting about what's being drawn out of the ocean is just way off target. Mm. Like it's much. It's the problem is far 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 greater than the data that's coming. These that it's being represented by. And the official data they have yes. to fill in, like the logbooks. The logbooks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. because they're only having to record the specific species that they're going after. They're not recording bycatch. But did, I think what it was suggesting that it was just basically, it was erroneous anyway. It wasn't mm. even just the bycatch. It was just saying, because they're just relying on honest um well, it wouldn't surprise data, me. Data, and I, it's I, just it's being completely misrepresented. And, and just to throw um, another little horror story into this, um, the Geelong Stars just had its um, overall, its total catch approved to jump from 42,000 tonne to 49,000 tonne. So they're allowed to go after even more. So just, you know, yeah, that's amazing. backing uh, on to that we, statement. Yeah, with, yeah but with, with all that's going on, with all that, the concern and the issues, and then they up the, the quota, which mm-hmm. is, in, is an incredible slap in the face mm-hmm. to the public. Absolutely. It's such a slap in the it's face. It's just like flipping them the bird, just the, going, no, nah, we're going to up, we're going to up the tape. We're going to take even more dolphins and albatross absolutely. and turtles. Absolutely. Look, the, the biggest problem that I have about this whole issue is that, the, that everyone involved, from the AFMA to the Resource Advisory Group to Seafish Tasmania to Senator Richard Colbeck, Barnaby Joyce, Sarah Henderson, the government, you name it, they're playing the public for fools. Mm. Information is readily available for every single person out there. The advent of social media and the internet, while there are some misleading things out there, it's provided an incredible tool for people to research and contact people involved. And they are playing the public for fools. And 
and they're, it's, it's just ridiculous that they're doing so because mm. they think that we won't find out what they're up to. We won't find out that what the damage that this vessel is doing. And not only, can I just butt in, that they're playing us for fools, it seems like the, are they a Dutch-owned company that owns these vessels. They're yep. playing Australia for fools because obviously they can do this around the world, go, go around the world and take what they can and lobby governments in a manipulating fashion. It was funny, though. I'm sure this, they wouldn't get away with it in, in the Netherlands that... You know the Dutch. They've been kicked out. The Dutch. The Dutch. Dutch the Dutch wouldn't have a bar of it. <laughs> no, I'm sure. No. no. You know out. the the Dutch are very uh, switched on. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it, yeah, they they're just taking this thing wherever you can go. I mean, I can I put it to my simple mind. I equate it like this: that I have a license to drive my car, right? And that car is registered. They this thing is is a car essentially can go wherever it can it gets a license and register where around the world wherever it can that suits its political agenda or financial yes agenda both of those just is so sneaky and manipulative how they and if i can just say if, if anyone who's been listening is concerned about this if you haven't heard of this thing before or even if you have it doesn't matter don't give our sitting parliamentarians a moment's rest. All right. If this so concerns you, write letters to them, email them, turn up at their office. You know, you've got a couple of days. I think before I think Parliament goes back next week or the week after, you've got a little while. Harass them. Give them a hard time. Tell them what you want. It doesn't matter whether they're Liberal or Labor or National Party. This is a concern for all Australians and, and straddles all political spectrums. This is going to affect us for years and years and years to come. It's got to be stopped. It's got to be stopped not just with this vessel. It's got to be stopped completely with finality so that we take care of any loopholes that might allow this to happen in the future. So get on your bike, harass them, absolutely harass the hell out of them. Don't let them have a moment's rest until you get the result that you want. And what can the international community do to actually stop super trawlers going to any ocean? So it's all right, we can protect the Australian Ocean, but you know we're concerned about the planet. Mm. and its oceans, what can we do to just stop stop their activities anywhere? Is the international community, are we armed to, to a resource to, to stop them everywhere? No, not as far as I'm aware, but that's not to say it can't happen. The experience that we're having here, as you say, it's not unique. It's happening off the coast of Africa. It's happening mm. on, off, off the coast of Ireland. Galvanising um, everybody and, and, and petitioning world bodies would be a way to go. But also, if... if if each of these individual countries, the citizens of each country, is bringing to bear political pressure on their individual governments to ban them, eventually these guys will have nowhere to go. These ships will become defunct. They won't have an industry. And, and that is the aim. Yeah, unless they fish out the oceans first. Yeah, well, that's, that's the fear. Yep. Yeah. There's Lawrence Pope, Victorian Advocates for Animals. You know, it doesn't matter where I am, around Australia or across the globe, people ask me the same question. Why don't we have programs like 3CR's Freedom of Species? Why don't we have independent radio? Not radio that's a puppet of the millionaires and the billionaires, but radio that reflects the real concerns of people like you, the very salt 
of this great country. From Warrnambool to Wonthaggy, from Malakuta to Kootamundra, 3CR, they're kind of cats, they're for the bats. That's independent radio. That's freedom of species, not the enslavement of species. I said the freedom of species. You know what to do. Donate to independent radio and warm your heart while you're cooling the planet. This is Lawrence Pope of Victorian Advocates for Animals and 3CR wishing your species all the best. If I can, um, just one last thing before we head off, I'd like to give a plug. The Western Regional Group um, of the Animal Justice Party, we're having a showing of screening of Cowspiracy, uh, the ultimate environmental documentary. Oh, Everybody it's a must. should see it. It's a must. Yeah. We are having that screening on Monday the 29th of February at 6.30pm at Dolly's Sister Vegan Cafe and Bar, 221 Murable Street, Geelong. We invite all people to come along. Um, you can purchase your tickets there for $10. And if you would like to uh, reserve some, some tickets, um, please ring ahead to them. You can look them up. They have a Facebook page and the phone number and contact details are all on there. What's the name of the restaurant again? Dolly's Sister. Like, awesome. As in... Country singer Dolly. No, no. Um, the, the owners actually have um, a vegan bus that they drive around to different festivals, and they have on, and that bus is called Dolly. That's yeah. So the restaurant is Dolly's sister. What food will there be? Food available on that evening? Yes, there will. Oh, vegan, delicious. So vegan you have to food. buy that. Yeah, that's separate. There'll be yeah, movie cool. food. Okay. Movie, movie food will be available. Yes. Oh, I love movie food. <laughs> I haven't heard of Dolly's. I must go down there and. It's wonderful. It's great. I'd love to go down to Geelong. Geelong's been having a bit of a hard time the last week, Andy. Mm, yep. We were um, caught up in the... It's almost biblical. You know, we've had yeah. fires and floods, you know. <laughs> I'm all ex- almost expecting a, like a, a, a rain of frogs or something yeah. to happen next. Although yeah. that'd be good Locust. because the frog population's yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about wildlife rescue down there in, as a result of the fires? It's uh, heavily controlled by uh, Delwip, uh, the, the government uh, body, Um up to uh, a couple of days ago, when I last spoke to someone about this, it was uh, Delwip vets and um, fire accredited uh, rescuers that were still only being allowed into the fire ground area to make assessments of affected animals and bring those out. Animals are coming out and going to various wildlife shelters around the region for treatment. Each of those shelters has been doing an outstanding job in that they have vets on call and on hand. The community of, of Victoria and around Australia, they, I have to applaud everybody. They've been each of these shelters has been sent things that they would, would need: um, cots and 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 blankets and and medical supplies, saline solution, um, the specific type of burn cream that's needed for wildlife, etc. Um, all these sorts of things have been turning up in droves at every single shelter that you can think of down there that handles the various types of wildlife. That's brilliant. So that's the really fires good. are still going. As we speak. They are. They're still burning, but they are now, um, speaking with the controller, they are under control. Did that deluge miss them? No, no. The deluge, the the rain came down and it certainly helped. Right. But it's... Not enough. No, not enough. Okay. Not enough. We need... It was a massive fire front. Yeah, right. And, And the unfortunate fact will be that tens of thousands of animals will have lost their lives. on Freedom of Species, and we'll just quickly go through some news items. Um, this is from Bob Brown's, Bob, the Bob Brown Foundation Facebook page. Bob Brown was arrested in Tasmania's tiny Lapoinia Forest. In his words, 
and I will read from his uh, transcript here, for trying to do Greg Hunt's job, standing strong for the habitat and nurseries of threatened Australian species like the Tasmanian devil and the world's largest freshwater crayfish, Astoc... Oh, I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sure. Astocopus guldi. Anyway, very big black crayfish. The Federal Minister for the Environment has washed his hands of the needless destruction of 49 hectares of the forest to feed Malaysian logging corporation Ta'an's veneer mill. The first people arrested defending the Laponia forest were two locals, a grandfather and a young mother who told Bob through tears that they are destroying the soul of the Laponian community. These were also the first arrests under the Hodgman government's draconian anti-protest laws, specifically designed to stymie people from peacefully defending Tasmania's forests and wildlife. The, the invasion, I'll just skip a couple of paragraphs because we're running out of time. Uh, the invasion of the Laponia forest is far from over. Bob was arrested on Monday for making a stand with the local community. More arrests are occurring. You can help save Laponia um, Forest by please contacting Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull or your nearest Federal Coalition MP and appeal for Laponia and its threatened forest and species. The interesting thing is when I watched the little Facebook video of this issue, I know the black crayfish isn't like a big, beautiful, you know, pretty aesthetic-looking animal to try and save, but it's no matter what you think of them specifically, the Laponia Forest apparently has this beautiful stream which is the nursery area for these crayfish that are endangered Mm. to breed. Like, it's very important. The logging would take place either side of that. It would destroy the nurseries. I mean, this is ridiculous. It has to stop. Just very briefly, the federal government is currently creating a national egg standard to define what free range exactly means. That's going at the moment without going into the details because we all know that they just want to basically relabel free range to mean pretty much intensive farming, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? I mean, the easier option would be not to eat eggs. And I've always had used egg replacer, but there's so many other um, substitutes. Just on the veganstreet.com uh, Facebook page, you can substitute an egg with half a mashed banana in a lot of cooking, a quarter cup blended silken tofu, a teaspoon ground flax. Chia seeds, I think, is one of them. Chia seeds. Mm-hmm. You could use a third of a cup of applesauce instead of an egg. There are so yeah. many options. I mean, and sometimes cheaper. you don't need anything at all. I've, I've made recipes just without an egg substitute and it's fine. My okay. wife made pavlovas last year from um, the juice from a can of chickpeas. Yeah, Whip aquafaba. Yeah, aquafaba is the is the new gold, isn't it? Oh, I was it's insane. Just, I was gobsmacked. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, just very quickly, community service announcements. Kate, have you got any more? Yeah, I've got a I've got a few. Um, Racing extinction, which is a fantastic doco that's showing um, Thursday night, the fourth of February, at six pm. That's in Sydney in Darlinghurst um, for of our Sydney listeners. Um, tickets available online. Also in Sydney, there's a seminar called The Strategy for a Vegan Sydney by 2025. That's um, going to be on Friday, the 5th of February, 7.30pm. Tickets um, by donation. That's in Sydney CBD. And I think that's all we've got time for. I'm so sorry we've really gone over time. Uh, 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 okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming in, Andy. My that's pleasure. Fantastic. Again, thanks for having thank me. Thank you. And thank you so much, KG.
My pleasure. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, please do on info at freedomofspecies.org. See you next week and we'll be going out with another Song of the Sea. Hush now, my story. Close your eyes and sleep. Waltzing the waves, diving the deep. Stars are shining bright. The wind is on the rise. Whispering words of long lost lullabies. Oh, won't you come? You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.